World Cup fever, baby. I mean, it is nonsense that it is in December, but let's look at it the other way. Golf season's done. World Cup fever. What a day. I love the World Cup as much as the next football fan. I haven't got into this one yet. I should just for the, for clarity, I should, because obviously people are list, listening at different times. We are recording this on Monday morning before the England games and it will be going out a couple of hours after the England games. So we're in that sort of weird window. But and, and we've only had one game, which was Qatar, Ecuador on Sunday. Yeah, but it was a classic. It was a it classic. Was a, <laughs> I think the less said about it, the better. But I think for me, the thing has been because I was worrying. I was like, why have I not got World Cup fever? Like normally you have the end of the season and then you've got 10 days or whatever it is to get properly into a World Cup. And it sort of feels like instead the midseason break literally started last weekend. League one and below in England are still playing. So my team, Torquay United, are still playing through the World Cup. So it, it, it feels a bit strange for me because obviously, I mean, we're bottom of the league at the moment. And I was going to say, playing my, is a loser, play, still playing is a loser. Well, well <laughs> like, yeah. my focus on at the moment is I just want Torquay to start building up a bit of momentum and try and get out of this yeah. uh, relegation battle. So my mind's been certainly been elsewhere in terms of football. I think I'll get into it once I've watched the England game and, you know, seen my kids all dressed up in their England gear and stuff like that. I think I'll get more into it. But at the moment, I'm just not feeling it at all. I've this I've is, tried everything as well. Is, uh... I've, I've got my uh, I've got my wall planner up on the wall. Like I usually like I'm 40 years old, got my wall planner up. So I bought the sticker album for I'd uh, a bit nostalgia because I used to get them. I think the last one I had was maybe 2010. So we're talking ages ago now. So I bought a sticker album, but I didn't really think it through because turns out the packets of stickers are now 90p a pack and you get five stickers in them. So I did the math and with the amount of stickers you have to collect, and this is without getting any duplicates, it would have cost me over, I think it was about 250 quid to complete the sticker album before you even got to duplicates. On the basis of duplicates, you're probably looking at like four or 500 quid and that's if you can get the swaps. That lasted about two weeks. Uh, I think the best page I had was Brazil. They had about four players. And uh, I looked at it and I think, you know what, that's probably as good as it's going to get, isn't it? So I haven't done a sticker album since I was a teenager, I don't think, when it was Merlin and the Premier League ones. Weirdly, I must have just thrown them all away or lost them. They might be at my mum's house in the attic or something. But for Could some reason, loads. I've still got my very first one, 1989. And I don't really know why. It's absolutely wonderful. All the football teams are wearing like the old school retro like Hummel kits. So it's like beautiful. Oh, oh, look at that. Football 89. This is not good podcast content. Can I just smash out some retro names for the older listeners? Oh, yeah, go on. These are all in teams that are not generally associated with either. So Les Seeley. That, that'll the, be worth a lot now, I reckon. Like I told you. Luton, um, as if I'm selling it. Luton so, Town are in there. Luton Town. So Les Seeley was in goal for Luton Town. Roy Wegerly, remember him? The American striker. Mick Harford up front. Mick Harford. What a boy. Gary Pallister playing for Middlesbrough. Look at this Man United team. Just See, mullets why was, there never, why was there never golf sticker albums? You know what? There's that, there's a market there. That's such a good idea. Live golf sticker Neil albums. Ruddock playing, Neil Ruddock playing for Millwall. This is really bad podcast content, but I just wanted to throw out a couple of retro names. That's a really good idea. Golf there's, sticker albums. How would you do it? Like top 150 in the world or the top 100 in the well, world? Well, the rankings are obsolete, so we're not we're not talking about that. We'll get to that later. <laughs> we'll get to that. No, you could though. Be, maybe someone tried it and it failed epically, but I don't know. There we go. Panini, if you're listening, sign them up. I sort of don't want to leave this bit in the podcast because what if it is actually a multi-million pound idea and someone takes it? I can't imagine there being too much clamour for a golf sticker album, to be honest with you. No. I've got a Rory McIlroy shiny. That's going to be worth a bit in a few years. I wouldn't want one. I wouldn't want Jay that. Monahan, why is he on here? <laughs> right, let's listen to some music. Right, before we crack on and talk about what has been an epic few days in the golf world, let's have a quick shout out for the other podcasts in the NCG podcast family. That's from the clubhouse with Steve, Carol and Tom Irwin talking about your grassroots game stuff and Hannah Holden and Jack Backhouse on all the gear, which is your nerdy equipment, instruction, insights and generally a good listen if you're looking to improve your game over the winter. 
And also, I think I should just shout out our Ryan Fox podcast from last week because it's evergreen. There's oh, absolutely yeah. no reason. I know this podcast generally goes out of date pretty quickly because we're talking about stuff that's happened over the weekend. But that was a really good listen. And he talks about his season. He talks about there's an incredible Tiger Woods tale in there that we absolutely love. Secondhand story from Steve Williams, who caddied for Fox for a while. Uh, gen- genuinely just a really good listen and, and it was a really good interview George well done you cheers it was pretty good wasn't it and you eked that tiger story out of him as well didn't you you went tell us a story I did yeah it was really sweet you were like oh Steve Williams was on your bag you, he must have a story or two about uh-huh. tiger it was genius <laughs> yeah. he absolutely loved it didn't he he did indeed yeah go and listen to that and let's talk about the last few days let's start with Rory McIlroy because what a season so FedEx Cup champion race to Dubai champion world number one first player to do that particular hat trick just talk to me about what an absolute phenom this guy is well I was gonna go de- all Debbie down on you and, and look at it the other angle I don't know maybe I thought thought about it a little bit differently but yes yeah, a ridiculous season world number one for me the one big thing now is how good is he with the passer like we started the year perhaps criticising that part of his game and he just seems like a joke of it now. Like before I used to watch him on the greens and think, ah, oh, you know, you weren't sure. And now he's just like, and he's, a, he's like an assassin with that stick. So he came out afterwards, didn't he? And said, I'm as complete a golfer as I feel I've ever been. And hopefully I can continue on that path. So, I mean, just give him the green jacket now. Well, that's there's no need to play the Masters. He's there? saying just that. Give it. Just give it to him. It is a scary thought. It is a scary thought. But I don't know. And he didn't win a major this year. And it just keeps like, uh, and it was an incredible year, right? And and the more I look at all the stats and the, the records and everything, and his consistency has been a joke. Like the fact he's won the DP World Tour rankings without winning an event, but it still seems perfectly fair because you just look at his results and he was like Mr. Consistent this season. But he didn't win a major. And it's just like, oh, it just eats away at me. Like, can you call, like, it's one of the best years we've ever seen, but he didn't win a major. So is it? Do you know what I mean? Like, as as a wise man once said, if you ain't first, you're last. Ricky Bobby, baby. He probably, so, ma- probably would have won a major if Cam Smith had had the decency to go to live a couple of months earlier. Oh, shame. That was a dagger. Cam Smith will be in the next, all the majors for the next, well, forever. So let's drop that. But yeah, what a year. But I just, it just, I don't know, maybe it's annoying me then. Maybe it's annoying me so that I'm now having this narrative, but it's just like, I can't believe he didn't win a major off the back of that year. To think how good his season was. Oh, it's just it was, it is worth noting that this is his first season where he's finished top 10 in all of the, all four majors. So second at the Masters, he's going one better next year. Eighth at the PGA, tied fifth at the US Open, and of course third at the Yeah, Open but that's what I'm saying. What does it mean? If you, didn't, if you didn't get that trophy, what does it mean? What does it mean? Give me all the seconds in the world, like... Uh, you got you got to get the W, and to be fair, I mean he, he could have easily won one of them, couldn't he? It just it just seemed to not happen in those. But in the end, what a season! Like to win the FedEx and the DP, like that's some going. The only other person to do it was old matey boy Stenson, wasn't it? Twenty thirteen. Um, and what happened to him? Well, uh, Luke yeah. Luke Donald's done, done it, hasn't he? He didn't win the FedEx Cup. Well, he won the Order of Merit. He won the Order of Merit. Merit. So some doing, isn't it? And and world number one. So he's the first player to do do the what do you call it? Three things at once. That trick. That trick. World Cup fever, baby. First of all, there I already is. said hat trick before. And second yeah, of all, well, how have you just forgotten that? That phrase has just fallen out of your brain. The Cam Smith thing is interesting, isn't it? Like, I obviously joked about Cam Smith going to live earlier, but there were some really interesting quotes from him uh, just while we we're on Rory McIlroy that he he phoned Cam Smith and Smith sort of said, look, he didn't tell me to stay for the PGA Tour, but that's kind of what he was getting at. He definitely wanted me to stay. That's really interesting, isn't it? That Rory McIlroy's obviously thinking... I, I want the best players staying on the PGA Tour. I mean, Rory doesn't really like Greg anyway, does he? That's, that's Really? Been quite, that's been quite clear. <laughs> he's, he's not made that a secret, has he? But That's a hot take right there, Mr. Perry. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of interesting stuff from that because it's not only the fact that Rory has called him and said, look, come on, mate, like you should stay here. Like This is where all the best players are going to be. This is where you're going to... Uh, where you're going to um, you know, challenge for the majors, you're not going to get... And and, and Smith said you know, he had sleepless nights over it. He was really concerned about the move. I, I think, didn't he call it a scary move as well? I think was the direct scary quote. Scary move. Uh, he said it felt like he didn't sleep for months. 
I mean, ultimately, it's the draw of the Australian. Well, we've had one Australian event confirmed for Liv. We're expecting another couple at least, aren't we? And he said that ultimately the the, the Liv's links with Australia will, you know, obviously Greg Norman's Australian. There's going to be some events in Australia. And he, he used that moment to criticise the PGA Tour and say, well, hang on a second. You've had. Adam Scott, who's been one of the best players in the world for the last two decades. You've got Jason Day, a major champion. Now Cam Smith's a major champion. Leishman is obviously a very consistent player. And yet they still don't go down to Australia. So I sort of agree with that. There should be a PGA Tour in Australia. Of course there should be. But also there's been a European Tour event or DP World Tour event in Australia for the last however many years. And Smith doesn't go down and play it. I mean, he's down there at the moment for the Australian PGA Championship. And it's his first time he's played it in something like four or five years. Yeah. So it's, it's not really, he shouldn't be criticising the PGA Tour for not going down there when he's not doing it himself. It was just an easy, easy shot, wasn't it, I think, from him. And he's been quite candid, hasn't he, a bit more than the rest about the money. So... I do genuinely think, I don't think he's like just saying it for the sake of it. I think he truly means it. Um, like you say, it's just a bit peculiar because what's one event really going to do? And, and and he has had opportunities to go. But I, can, I sort of get what he's com- where he's coming from. And I know probably COVID really changed a lot, didn't it, as well? Because he hadn't been home for three years. It'd be interesting to see how much that actually weighed on his decision. And now he's able to go back home and spend, what, two, three months in Australia which he wouldn't have got, would he? Because the, the turnaround on the PGA Tour, yeah. is all, I know we get a month off, but he wouldn't have got that that luxury and that time off to go home. And having had three years away from his country probably did did weigh in he on the decision, didn't play, it? Sorry, mate, he wouldn't have played any of those events. He would have played the FedEx Cup and then he would have probably played in the Hero World Challenge in the Bahamas. And even if he misses that, it's not a big deal. So he's got all that time from September mm. through to when the big tournaments start again. I mean, nothing. you don't really get the big tournaments until the end of Jan, start of Feb, really, do you? With Tory it's February, and... yeah. When, when's Liv now? Middle of Feb starting. Yeah. It's the, be the, off-season, the off-season argument is, has been the, the big one that's irritated me from them, to be honest with you. I mean, even like... With all like the spending more time with the family stuff, you kind of go, oh, yeah, all right. <laughs> you, you're just you've just been fed a line, and you you you've got to stick to it. But with the off season stuff, it's just demonstrably nonsense. That's what. Well, I don't think it was going to be, and now 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 it is because they've they've expanded, haven't they? And they could expand again, like 14 events now. That was never tr- truly on the cards to begin with, was it? Um, and it was only ever 10, so maybe that argument. You know, you could actually say fair enough, but now, yeah. But it's, it's just the way they're all going, oh, I finally get an off-season. It's like, you guys haven't played, like, no, when was the last time Bryson DeChambeau, what's the one at Silverado, Sanderson's, the one with the Cockrell Trophy? Like, when was the last time oh, Bryson yeah. DeChambeau was, Patrick Reed was, was playing that? Like, it's just absolute nonsense, really. I almost said a swear then. It's absolute nonsense, isn't it? And uh, just, I'm, I'm not having that at all. Uh, like Cam Smith, this Rory McIlroy conversation is really interesting. I find it really interesting. I really like that he's been really open about it and saying, "Yeah, you know, I yeah. had sleepless nights over it." And I think it's actually really interesting. If you want, I mean, if you want to read all the quotes, George has written it up for NationalClubGolfer.com. There's our plug for the week. We're only allowed one plug hey. uh, per podcast, so there it is. So let's get back to Rory and sort of stay on the live line. Now you've been crunching some numbers. Ooh, yes. Go on, rub your hands together. Get well, you know me, I love my money. I do love my money. Yeah, so I'll crunch the numbers because let's be honest, 2022 has been like just all about money, hasn't it? And in particular, Liv, and in particular, again, Mr. DJ, Mr. Dustin Johnson. Now, so just um, be- before you carry on, before you carry on, I just, I just want to provide a bit of context here because sitting there thinking what on earth is going on. So throughout this year you've been keeping an aggregate money list for live golf and 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 their players and and how much they've won in x events and i love it when i just basically say go and do this and here's your calculator and then you just go off with your little like money beavering away it's my favorite task Uh, and the, the results are always really good and and you've done another one haven't you where you've done a comparison of the players how much they've won on live in the first season versus how much they won on the PGA Tour, so millions of dollars per event versus hundreds of thousands of dollars per event average on the PGA Tour. So there's it, a really interesting comparison. Again, second plug, it's all on nationalclubgolfer.com. It's really, really interesting. So now your latest one is Dustin Johnson's 2022 on Live versus Rory McIlroy's FedEx Cup winning, DP World Tour winning 
year on the PGA Tour. Exactly that, yeah. Because all the narrative has been about how how much DJ's made, right? And it's just like, oh, this is ridiculous about money, blah, blah, blah. Which it is, you know, especially for eight events. But going to throw a spanner in the works a bit. So crunch the numbers. And this year, so you've got Dustin Johnson. So in eight live golf events, he made 10.5 million in individual earnings. He made 7 million for the four aces GC, who are my favorite team on live golf, by the way, guys. Um, and then he got... To, I didn't have you down as a glory hunter. <laughs> and then he got a whopping 18 million for his uh, live golf individual win, which was because uh, he won all the events, didn't he, for the individual cumulative, which brought a total of about 35 and a half million dollars. Okay. Just for live 35 golf. and a half for DJ that's that's without that's just winnings that's no signing on fees that's just winnings that's no and, signing on like, fees win, just winnings bonuses. but th- but then we've also got um he played in 10 PGA Tour events including the majors so we'll add this on because it is 2022 and he made 1.5 mil uh in the majors and on the PGA Tour <laughs> events that he did play before joining so overall he made 37.2 million dollars in prize fund winnings right, this year which is not too shabby yeah it'll keep Paulina happy won't it um and that wedding that wedding did look expensive it did (laughs) i was gonna make a joke but i would just have to edit out so there's no point make your own jokes guys treat yourself and then we got sorry what was the number 30 37 37 million okay johnson and that was 18 event 2022 35 million in live so 37 million then we got mr mackerel and it's quite interesting isn't it because i think you would say i know cam smith's coming now but you would say dustin johnson's sort of the face of live golf isn't he in terms of player value and rory mcelroy is of course the face of the pga tour with tiger you know sort of in and out and injury whatever so we've got rory and we got dj the two big stars right so dj 37 million then you got rory now his was a bit more complicated because he's playing over two tours isn't he um but you've got pga tour winnings which is including the majors he made $8.5 million. Then you've got DP World Tour earnings, which is excluding the majors because obviously we'd be, well, you're not going to put them in twice, are we? With the conversion, he made $2.2 million. And now this is where it really gets interesting because you've got his big bonuses. <laughs> now, like DJ, he made $18 million for the FedEx Cup bonus, which was the same as what DJ made for the Live Golf bonus. Um, then he got his Race to Dubai bonus, which was $2 million. Uh, and then you've got the one which is about to come in probably any time. And if it is what McElroy says it is, which is him coming second place in the PIP, which we know Tiger's won. Who's going to beat Rory to number two? Like it's going to be Rory, isn't it? Um, so that's pretty much done and dusted. Now, his his PIP earnings will be 12 million for coming second uh, because they've obviously upped it this year, haven't they? So if we add all that together, uh, Mr. McElroy comes in at a whopping $42.6 million. So uh, he does DJ about five million in the end that's interesting and, isn't it? and really it's the pip which sort of edges it and that's i guess what which is like the pga tour's big thing isn't it to keep keep the top 20 there so the it's interesting that, pip mm, so it's interesting that that's the one that actually sways it but yeah in the end we've all been talking about dj stupid earnings for 2022 and uh rory wins it by well what five million in the end and uh in total that was 18 events for dj and 20 events for mcelroy so pretty similar just remind uh, me i think the biggest surprise in all that apart from obviously rory earning more than dj this year is that the individual bonus for winning live was the same as the pj tour mm. now just remind me did they say that it was 18 million for live and then the pj tour went okay we need because it was 15 before like it was 15 last year wasn't it it's was 15 last say, year okay we just have to put it up to 18 as well uh i don't I, like there was some overlap but it, i think the pj tour had decided it was going to be 18 and then anyway. it's going to be 18 million and one. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually don't think that there was any, I think live, 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 live announced their season. It was always going to be 18. And it just so happened that, that the PJ were going to up the FedEx cup anyway. I think if we see, we might see more of a reaction from one or the other next year because of that number. I would imagine we would either live up it because of the PJ tour or vice versa um i think it's just a coincidence they both landed on 18 million this year but it is interesting that it was the same amount in the end um and then only and then only two million for the race to dubai which about you i thought would be a bit higher uh, for the bonus for that but you well, know like said, can't have I all the millions in the world can you i absolutely well uh, sorry that's guitar i absolutely love it when and Saudi arabia of course 
I love it. Like I said, I love it when you get your calculator out and start crunching numbers. And it's just yeah. it's just really interesting, isn't it? I, I, like like you said, we've we've become obsessed with earnings this year as a result of live becoming a thing yeah. and it's just it's like fascinating insight and, it, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger next year i mean how far can the PGA tour push it how how much more can the pga tour go yeah okay well we'll just keep pumping more money into it i mean well the, yeah. the likes of rory mackerel i mean you look at the top 10 20 30 in the world i mean those guys are never gonna have to work ever again uh, Rory McIlroy's already made more money than he could ever spend in in three lifetimes, so it's interesting, isn't it? Now I just want to stay with Rory for a bit longer, so we're going to go from Rory and Cam Smith to Rory and DJ now to Rory and John Rahm. John Rahm, of course, won the DP World Tour Championship on Sunday with a wonderful display down the stretch, and Rory McIlroy was the DP World Tour champ. So first of all, actually, before we get to the OWGR debate, which they had. Where do you stand on this having a different winner? So obviously the FedEx Cup manipulates it. So they have the, the whoever wins the, the tour championship at the end of the season is is the FedEx Cup champion. Now, with the DP World Tour, that's not the case, because as we saw this year, we I mean, sometimes it happens. But as we saw on Sunday, we had Rory McIlroy winning the season long race to Dubai and we had John Rahm winning the tour championship so where do you stand on that yeah and we've had it a few times and now just purely from if we like disregard perhaps fairness or like in terms of throughout the year i'm just talking about an entertainment perspective like watching it at the time i think it's pretty rubbish like i think you've got not that it's confusing but i'm watching it yesterday and you've got one competition then you've got the actual tournament going on and now i think it was a bit it changed because it was Rory and it always does change when it's Rory, but it seemed like all that they were focusing on was the race to Dubai standings. And then when Rory won, it was like, it was almost a bigger deal than when John Rahm had won. And it almost took away from his win a little bit, which I think it's just because it was Rory. Like say, if it had been Tommy Fleetwood, who had run, well, I'm, I'm bashing Tommy Fleetwood again. What am I doing? No, <laughs> Dude, I'm not Tommy Fleetwood. I love you. You're, you're not that. <laughs> but if it, if it had been, if I it just had think been, <laughs> <laughs> too far if it had been ryan fox that had won or if it had been tommy fleetwood or max fitzpatrick perhaps i wouldn't be having this conversation but it seemed to me because you had the two competitions running side by side it really took away from john run's whim a little bit i just thought it was a bit rubbish like is there not i actually preferred the drama and i and i'm I'm, I'm just not talking i'm not talking about if it's fair or if it's correct or if it, i'm just talking about from an entertainment standpoint watching it on that sunday the fedex cup was way better i love it how they had they took into account everyone's rankings and they start, you don't know, on 10 under, 9 under, 8 under, whatever. And then it's just a race to, you know, win win on the Sunday, win on the weekend. And for me, like, it was, it was class because it was like Scheffler had been the best player and he was, what, like four ahead of McElroy. And then McElroy had to chase him and he did it and he won both. And it was like, hey, he's the clear winner. And just from a, like a fan point of view, I loved it and I thought it was really good how they did it. And now I was watching it on Sunday and I was like, it just was a bit like, oh, well, yeah, Rahm's won, but, but McElroy's won. And like, oh, OK, I don't know. I was just watching it a bit like and I should perhaps I should have been more enthralled because you've got two of the biggest stars, both, you know, collecting gold. And it's like and it and it perhaps was fairer, which you're probably going to come at me now in a minute in terms of how they do it. But I don't know. It just for me, I, I don't think it works just from watching it at home as a fan. I'm not going to come at you because that's mean. I agree to a certain extent, but my feeling on the matter is that I don't really mind having a separate tournament winner i don't think whoever wins I, I i understand how the pga tour do it they they set it up so you've got this season finale and i actually quite like that yeah i don't really like the format in which they do it that needs work but i do like that they go right the top x amount of players are into the post season but something does need to be changed on the race to dubai i mean we have this ludicrous situation where will zalatoris has played one well we can't even call it a regular dp world tour event because it's co-sanctioned with the pga tour and that was a missed cut at the scottish open so he finished top five at the wgc match play he finished six at the masters Second at the PGA, second at the US Open behind Matt Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick, of course. Then he had a missed cut at the Genesis Scottish Open, which, like I said, is a co-sanction with the PGA Tour. So it's not even like a proper regular European Tour event. Then he finished 28th at the Open. So these are all co-sanctioned with the PGA Tour. And yet he's finished seventh on the on the race to Dubai this season well, but, and that, for six events, which is 
so far ahead of players who have played potentially up to 30 or 40 events. And that, for me, I'm not saying I've got the answer to how it should be done, but it just it makes performing well at co-sanctioned events just it it outweighs everything. And I think that's a huge problem that they need to overcome because well, Luis Alatoris didn't even like he's played in six co-sanctioned events. He's got no interest in playing on the DP World Tour. He's just a DP World Tour member, so therefore he's seventh in the race to Dubai. I mean, at least Tiger had the decency. I mean, you get all this nonsense, don't you, where people go, oh, well, if Tiger had bothered to join the European Tour, he would have won the Order of Merit seven billion times. Yeah. Thinking, well, yeah, but he didn't. I think it's simple. I said it yesterday and maybe this might get backlash. But why the hell are we including the majors in the DP World Tour standings? Why? But yes, the Open, it's on our soil. Like it's our, you know what I mean? RNA run, the Open. But what? Like, why is the US Open counting to DP World Tour standings? Why? And then it just so would you take them out? Would you take them yeah, out? Take the them out. Yeah, take them out. 100%. I'll take them out the, the PGA as well. I'll take them out both. Um, it doesn't make any sense to me. The, the PGA Tour, it's not a PGA Tour event, is it? It's a USGA event. It's an RNA event. It's, it's an Augusta National event. Why on earth are we including them? A, why are we including them? B, why have they then got stupid amount of points? Yes, they're the majors. So if you are going to include them, perhaps you should give them more points. But it distorts it all and it just doesn't make sense to me. Like, the US Open and the PGA Championship, why just why are they on the DP World Tour standings? That's not a DP World Tour event. I think that would just solve it all. It's, it's, it's actually doesn't sound like a bad plan. I mean, if you look at the play, I mean, this just shows how good Ryan Fox's season was, really. I mean, let's plug last week's podcast again. Go yeah. and listen to it. So Rory McIlroy was number one in Race to Dubai, played 10 tournaments. Ryan Fox was second on with 24 tournaments. John Rahm was third with nine tournaments. Fitzpatrick was fourth with 11 tournaments Fleetwood was fifth with 14 Victor Hovland was sixth with 11 Zalatoris if we just mentioned six tournaments and then you get Adrian Meronk at eighth Meronk Meronk how are we saying that Meronk 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 so <laughs> he's eighth with 23 Shane Lowry's ninth with 11 tournaments and Thomas Peters is 10th with 15 so the top 10 only two of those players have played more than 15 tournaments that's mental isn't it in what is essentially a 45 week season 45 because the majors have just the majors just completely distorted don't they if i bet if you look at all those well we know for all those how well they did the majors it just bumps them up completely and of course if you are going to include the majors they should be they should have more value than the kazoo cup or whatever it is oh, like a you know <laughs> end of the season why are we always plugging kazoo on this podcast but uh, of, co- of course, the majors should have more value, but I just don't think the, va- the majors should be included and you wouldn't have any of this. I think I think something needs to be done. That's like a final line on it. The fact that Rory McIlroy has won the race to Dubai, having only played a quarter of the European Tour or DP World Tour season. <clears throat> yeah, it's like something needs fixing there. I mean, but it'll be it's the, like one of those. The 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 sorry, mate, the, T, the DP World Tour don't care because they've got their star man winning their season long. Well, yeah, race. You ask Keith Pelly who he would rather win the race to Dubai out of Rory McIlroy and Ryan Fox, and he will give you a really diplomatic answer. But in his head, he's going, absolutely, Rory McIlroy. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, and it's the same with the FedEx Cup, it will, it will never be perfect, will it? So it's a tough one. We're always going to have these argu- uh, disagreements and we're always going to have these discussions about what we could, and almost nitpick to an extent about what we could make better, what doesn't work, what works. It's never going to be perfect because it's, it's so difficult with golf because, and we're going to get to this argument in just a second in terms of, you know, valuing a golf tournament and what's worth more than another one. And you know what I mean? It's never going to be perfect. It's not like, it's not like uh, you're playing a football league and it's just one league and everyone plays everyone. It's so confusing. There's so many factors. There's different players every week. There's different course locations. There's different field sizes. Like it's, it's never going to be perfect because it's just such a complicated sport. Um, it's a tough one, but it's good because it gives us we wouldn't be having this discussion if it if the sport wasn't like that. So, you know, for our point of view, it's great. We have all these talking points. Um, but I don't know. One to think was, about again. That was quite a tangent. We did start that with the uh, Rory Ram discussion. So, yeah, we, we got off. So that's why I was trying to bring it back to the listeners. And so I've done it, I think. The big row last week was that the RSM Classic carried more world ranking points than the DP World Tour Championship. Now, OWGR's argument there is that the DP World Tour Championship is a limited field event. Therefore, it has to have fewer ranking points. 
And John Rahm's argument was, well, this is absolutely ludicrous. You've got X amount of the top 20 players in the world here. And the RSM Classic has got like one top 20 player in the world, if that. And Rory McIlroy was saying, well, that's just how it is. We have to accept it. Now, I don't know when this rule came in from OWGR. I don't know a lot about their history. And, and frankly, I, I'd be lying if I said it's it. August. It came confused. in August, beginning of August. So my feeling is that they've gone at some point, we're going to have to let live into the world rankings. So let's just make sure we punish limited field events in that sense. And therefore, we've got this ludicrous situation where the RSM Classic 156 man field, despite it being the low end of the PGA Tour rosters, and then you've got the world's best outside of the PGA Tour superstars all playing over on the DP World Tour and they're not getting anywhere. So John Rahm, John Rahm's had like a ludicrous few weeks or few months. Like his like I don't think I he's love finished it. outside. The, I don't want. I I need to double check, but I don't think he's finished outside the top five since. Well, I've got it here. I've got it here. So oh, go on, yeah, yeah. In his last four tournaments, he's finished second, first, fourth, and first, and he has not moved. He has in the not world moved. rankings. He's not moved. Not moved at all. Yeah. So that so is there, just nonsense. So there is obviously a problem there. Of course, and you've got and you've got who's ahead of him, like Cam Smith. He hasn't played a tournament in donkey's years because he's at some other tour that are paying him a nice little fee, right? So it's stupid for me. I mean, the big argument is, and and I'll actually come to your first point. I actually think it's coincidental that it's combined with Live because this was devised about twelve months ago from a bunch of uh, nerds from like Stanford or somewhere, right? <laughs> they were they were all doing they were all sorting the algorithm out, and this this was in the works. And was almost complete. This was like a year ago. It all started being done. And then it's just so happened it's overlapped with, you know, the formation of Live and 48 Man Field. And to them, they're probably then licking their lips. I think the OWG are like, oh, great. We've got this new system coming in just as our, just as all this noise is coming from Live. So they're obviously then probably followed through with it when there may have been some scepticism. But I don't think it's anything to do with that. It was always in the works because they were trying to make the system better. But it's just nonsense because their whole their whole thing is that. Well, it's it's harder to beat 155 guys than it is to beat 49 guys, right? But that's just stupid because it's not, is it? It's, it's if you've got like Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa, Cam, like the top 10 in the world, and you're like number 40 in the world, you're not going to beat them, are you? But then there's, but then say there was 100 guys behind you, you're playing against. Like it's just, it's just basic, isn't it? Like obviously it's harder to beat the top guys than it is to beat loads of guys. Um, I don't I don't particularly like that argument, because if you've got 156 guys, like I said, from the low end of the PGA Tour roster, I mean, I'm just going to have a quick look at the. Um, well, for me, and for me, the fact it was such a jump. Right. So it was the winning player got for John Rahm got what it was like, 29, uh, 21 points. And then the winner of the RSM was 39. Like it wasn't even close. Yeah. And the field was awful for the RSM. Like no offense to you know, JT Boston or whoever was playing in that tournament. Like it was, it was terrible. Like I put it on, there was no one was playing in it. So how, how is it such a jump? Like, how is it such a jump? I think it, also, it wasn't even close. The DP World Tour Championship is a no cut event, isn't it? So yeah, you've got, it's not necessarily beating 155 uh, other players because half of them get chopped anyway. Yeah, exactly. The and then it's so the all you've got to do, all you've got to do in the first two days, I say, I say all you've got to do, but your your goal in the first two days is to get through the cut line. And then it's about beating the 69, 70, yeah. 71 other players that come through with you. And I mean, no disrespect to these guys, but I mean, I'm just scrolling down the leaderboard. A lot of them finished way over par. I mean, you got Bryson Nimmer and Tano Goya, Richie Wawrenski, Philip Knowles, all <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine over par, missing the cut by absolute miles. I mean, it's not really a case of like having to beat those guys. Those guys are beating themselves because they're finishing miles over par. And I don't get how. So we had the big argument, didn't we? John Rahm and Roy McIlroy. By the way, I've, and I tweeted it. John Rahm with a chip on his shoulder is like my favourite golfer. <laughs> like, I love him. Like, he's so like, and I was saying yesterday, like, good value, isn't it? golf is a sport where if you're a bit riled up or you're not perhaps composed or calm or there's something niggling you, you're just completely off your game, aren't you? Like, it's one of those yeah. sports. But he seems to, and I can sort of compare it a bit to like Poulter in the Ryder Cup. He seems to like thrive off being almost a bit put off and like having a chip on his shoulder, which is incredible because it's like golf is not a sport. You should do that. If I go on the golf course and something is annoying me, 
I play even worse, right? Yeah. Like we all do. I love John Rahm, like like They're he human. is. So That's why. well, yeah. So, but they had this. They had this. I say they had this argument. They spoke 24 hours apart. And they were just both just weighing in on 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 this issue. And Rory was saying that like, oh well, it's you know, it is the fairest system, and and in six to twelve months we'll realise that. But I don't understand that logic. Like, if if this is how it's going to be, and it's and I don't know enough about it. Like I say, I'm not one of the nerds from Stanford who devised it, right? But if it is if it is swayed towards full size, how is it going to be sorted in twelve months? Like, what's he on about? How's that going to I didn't really get that argument that he was that he was putting forward and maybe someone can correct me or whatever. I think but it seems is. like this is it. This is it. Like, how is it going to all sort out? It's, it's not. If anything, it's just going to get more distorted because people aren't going to be getting the correct ranking points they should be getting. And we already know they're not because there's a whole separate issue with Liv. So it's already a bit all over the place. And then suddenly you've got these guys who are playing in the big fields, but the, the poor PGA events. And then they're getting loads more ranking points. And then they're getting like close to the guys that you probably shouldn't be. So it's just if anything, surely it's just going to get worse. I don't know. Well, first of all, I would just say I don't want it to come across that we're using nerdy as a derogatory term. <laughs> I know no, you're. No, no. I know you're a super cool. Hey, hey, hey. I, I, I watch WWE. I confessed at the beginning of the podcast. I have a sticker album. Like, buy your shots. It's no issue there. Yeah, carry I'm, on. Uh, I'm fully signed up member to the nerd cult. I, I, I understand Rory's position, and I, I would suspect because I'm in. I'm in the same boat as Rory I'm sort of thinking well yeah it's stupid but I kind of understand it and you're sort of you're John Rahming it I also I I suspect that Rory there's a certain element of it where he's thinking well I am the PGA Tour DP World Tour I'm the face of those two tours essentially I'm the representative I'm the player representative he can't be seen to be going against the PGA Tour and the European Tour so if these decisions have been made whether he agrees with them or not he sort of has to stick up for them in that way. So it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, I, I, it's really frustrating when you go off on one and then I find myself agreeing with you about the whole yes. thing. <laughs> I absolutely, yeah, I agree. The the DP World Tour Championship, limited field or not, absolutely should not be carrying more OWGR points than the RSM Classic with no disrespect to anyone that's playing in that tournament or the tournament itself. If it, had, it should just be a strength of field. It's it, for me. It was just it was just the fact it wasn't even close. Do you know what I mean? Like if it was maybe one different, you you might be like, okay, fair enough. But it wasn't even close, so it's just mind boggling. Let's get away from those rascals and talk about another phenom that is Lydia Ko. So she won the LPGA season ender. A 25th win as a professional, which includes two majors and 19 LPGA titles. Mm. Her third LPGA Order of Merit win. She has an Olympic silver and bronze medals. She's now fifth in the all-time LPGA money list. And she's only 25. I mean, this woman has got the world at her feet at the moment. She does. It feels like she's been around forever as well. Like you say 25, which is mental. But I mean, she burst onto the scene when she was, what, 15? We're almost putting her. I, I was sort of watching her in the end cruise to victory in the last few holes and pick up that huge paycheck. But I was almost looking at her a bit how we were just talking about McElroy, like, and I hate to be the whole pessimist again, but she now, like now is the time where she's just got to go win some more majors, right? Because the fact you've said she's incredible, like what a player, and she only has two majors. It's just a bit like, oh come on, come on, Lydia. But yeah, what a year. She started the year with a win in what January. She then won in, she won about three weeks ago, didn't she, in the, at the BMW Ladies, which I know meant a lot to her because of her Korean heritage. Um, and then she ends the season on the high and she picks up the Rolex Pair of the Year. And I looked at the ranking points as well. Like she's, it's very, it's very bunched at the top of the world rankings in ladies. So she could easily be number one again soon. Her and Nelly up there. But yeah, like what a player. Like, his, so did you, did you hear the comment she was saying? One of the commentators said to her, well, you're a better player now when you were world number one, which was when she was like 17, 18. And she was like, well, I hope so. And then she said that her mum was always teasing her because she, her mum says to her, oh, you were such a better player when you were 15. Um, but I think with that win on the weekend, like she's put that to bed now. And she, a bit like McElroy, and I hate to sort of do a comparison between the men and women's game because um, they should stand alone. But she's now like in perfectly poised to go and just smash the majors in, in 2023, isn't she? You sort of implied it there that two majors for a, a woman of her talent or a player of her talent just isn't really 
it doesn't feel like it's enough and it's just it is it is the Rory McIlroy factor isn't it because we all sit here and go Rory McIlroy won four majors in the space of a couple of years and then he went on this long uh, drought as it were in terms yeah. of majors and uh, you know Lydia Ko had her had her problems and she's she's heroically come back from them she's had about 400 coaches in that time but she's you know she sort of found she seems to have found her happy place now which is really good isn't it because obviously like you say when she burst onto the scene as a teenager everyone was absolutely buzzing about this player and now she's it feels like she's like she's only 25 but now it feels like she's a grown-up if that makes sense yeah and it feels like she's matured into the player that we sort of expected her to mature into now when I was double checking to see where she was on the all-time LPGA money list to see I mean I think if I was guessing I probably would have said somewhere like 10 to 15 but for her to be fifth so that's mental I mean she's that win on Sunday is well yeah jumped her ninth to fifth so she's overtaken Julie Inkster, Stacey Lewis, Susan Pettersson, Lorena Okoa. I mean, Okoa had nearly $15 million from 175 starts. Now Co has 16.5 from 221 starts, so about 40-odd more starts. And she's... But I mean, Imbi Park is next above her. She's $2 million ahead. Christy Kerr is $4 million ahead. Carrie Webb is four million ahead and Annika Sorenstam, the GOAT, is six million ahead. Now, you absolutely wouldn't bet back against Co being top of that list in, say, three or four years time. It's funny, isn't it? Because we sort of have this thing in golf where majors and winning Grand Slams is sort of the pinnacle of one's career. And, and that's what makes a player yeah. the greatest of all time, obviously, the um the, the world's most boring argument that isn't Ronaldo versus Messi is Tiger versus Jack. <laughs> and obviously you've got people that say Jack was better than Tiger because he won more majors. majors. And, and that really is the end of the argument. And then you have people like me who have about 400 reasons ranging from quite big to teeny tiny as to why Tiger's the greatest of all time. Now, if Lydia Ko Say let, let's put a scenario in. If Co overtakes Sorenstam as the LPGA all-time leading money list, but she doesn't win any more majors in that time, are we arguing against Co being the, the greatest of all time, despite the fact that she's got eight fewer majors than than Sorenstam? Yeah, of course we are. Eight eight majors. I'm not talking about a few here, like Tiger and Jack. But but surely you could say. Again, I always come back to this. And again, it's quite boring, but in terms of an argument that's always trotted out. But I wouldn't sit here and say, again, no disrespect to Sean McKeel or or Todd Hamilton, but they've got majors and Luke Donald and Lee Westwood haven't. And I know I know whose whose career I'd rather have. Yeah, but we're talking like outliers here, aren't we? And one offs. Um, And also the money. I, I. are you talking about the money list or like career wins? Because the the, the well, I'm like, talking about well, one you can't you can't you, we can't we can't even talk about money now, especially in the women's game. Because if you look how much they were getting when Sorensen was at her peak, it was just stupidly low, wasn't it? And now they're actually finally starting to get the pay they deserved. So you, it's just completely distorted. Like you can't even you can't even use that as a factor because it's just so crazy now. Um, if you look what she was getting for her wins and then and then you look and that to be honest this is why what I found staggering when I was looking up everything around Lydia Coe's win yesterday so she ended up being second she she finished the year with the second most amount of money in a year for, on the LPGA tour right so I was like okay who 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 was top and it was a choa in 2007 and she got like 4.6 million or something which is insane because they were getting no money then they were like getting they were getting completely underpaid then even more so than now like and the fact that she ended the year on that like that is just insane so you can't really compare the money for that um and you couldn't say because she ends it on with the most money like because it's just not relative is it which, makes, which might, actually what you're saying there makes Akoa's 15 million from 175 tour events oh, even say, more incredible doesn't it well, I'm, I'm really, I'm really well, pleased. She won took, like nine times in 2007. I'm really pleased so. you took the bait there. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I, I agree. I, if Co wants to be considered the goat, she obviously has to win a few. I mean, I think if she gets to seven or eight and yeah, continues yeah. to and continues Eight's to dominate the women, like, yeah. she needs to get within a few. Yeah, to continue. I mean, obviously, 
Tiger didn't. Tiger only got within three, or has only got within three. I say only. Obviously, winning 15 majors is nothing to be sniffed at. But he got within three of Jack, and yet we, uh, you know, half of the population of the planet still considers him the goat. So I think Co needs to get within probably two, three, four of Sorenstam to be able to have some sort of claim of taking her crown. She, and it's this, different for her, for her. She was like she was like the pioneer, wasn't she? And so it's, she's always going to be looked at from a different lens than everyone who comes after her, because it was almost as if if it wasn't for her, a lot of these women wouldn't have come. So she's you know she almost is in a separate bracket in my opinion because of what she did. So it's like it's tough to actually compare them now. I mean, and they would probably say the same thing. So and yeah, women's golf seems to we're getting new winners every week, and we're almost getting the the re-emergence of old winners again, aren't we? We had Danielle Kangwin, we had Nelly Corderwin, now we've had Lydia Ko. So I think women's golf is actually in a really healthy place. These new winners, you've got a lot of European winners on the LPGA, which is obviously good. And now you've got the superstars and the players who perhaps lost some form or were injured and now coming back as well. So I think heading into 2023, women's golf is in a really good place. And I also can't wait for the Solheim Cup now, which is obviously going to be in the Netherlands, which they announced this week for the right. first time ever, which is... Yeah, someone who lived in the Netherlands as well. It's, it, I think it's really, really good for for Dutch golf um, because they a bit where perhaps the UK was 20 years ago. I would say they're still a bit stuck in, you know, in, in inclusivity and it being a bit of a stigma. So that's great, great for women's golf, great for Dutch golf, and I'm um, yeah, I'm just excited for for the new year now. Yeah, well, you touched upon it there, and I I think I'll just reiterate before we move on that women's golf, the LPGA in particular, is 100% in the best place it's ever been. When you've got as many top names as they've got competing week in, week out at the moment, that's how you get people turning on. I mean, we talk about growing the game all the time. We were given that choice of the LPGA PGA Tour event, the RSM Classic, on Sunday evening, and it was an absolute no-brainer. Let's have an and-finally moment. Bryson DeChambeau. And now, the reason why I'm bringing this up is because, obviously, you're a finely-tuned athlete. Mm. He's given up on the incredible bulk <laughs> is that what we were calling it yeah, yeah i did see you said that and i was like that's brilliant he uh, has the, the the diet that and the and the weight gain that he went on very highly publicized over the last couple of years i don't think i really need to go over it everyone knows exactly what i'm talking about but he's given up on it he was talking to the five clubs podcast and said basically it just got too much his guts were all messed up which is pretty gross he was super uh, inflamed he had mo- huge mood swings from it. Uh, we know at least one PGA Tour cameraman in Detroit who can vote for that. <laughs> um, the guy and all the crowd that lives in Chicago. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And the ropes, all the, ro- all the, the, ropes. the, all the ropes are all on the, the ropes. Rejoice <laughs> that he's off this diet. So just from your personal experience and as someone who is obviously has to, for those that don't know, George is a, elite runner i think is probably the best way to put it. elite amateur runner and yeah that's good so you, that's good you obviously have to put your body through certain things that perhaps someone like me who can quite happily just shovel down a, a big mac meal without thinking twice about it can get away with but you can't no i mean it always seemed ridiculous at the time wasn't it because it was almost like the covid phase and we hadn't seen bryson for ages had we, we hadn't seen anyone for ages because there was no golf and then he suddenly comes back as like this freak <laughs> And it was like, I always thought at the time I was a bit sceptical, like he's, God knows what he's put his body through. And now we sort of start to know, I know if I'm doing like a a training camp or whatever, and then then I go the opposite and I finish and I'm eating like rubbish, how much it changes everything, you know, Um, not just, you know, physical, but mental as well. So, yeah, I'm not surprised. I'm really not surprised he's come out and said it all now. But it seems like he's, he's now hitting it further than ever, isn't he? Like he was in the long drive, he came bloody second in the long drive so it seemed like he didn't even need to do that did he because now he's he's slimmed down a bit and he's still hitting at ridiculous distance god yeah it seems like ages ago he did all that as well like do you remember, i was saying to to someone yesterday because do, do you remember it was almost the us open was one of the first tournaments where we had the incredible bulk version of of uh of bryson wasn't it and he won it easily and it was almost like oh oh goodness like bryson's figured something out here like this is this could be like a, you know almost a seismic moment for golf this is a turning point here and then he just never really hit the heights again and now we sort of we start to know don't we that the 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 effect it had on his body was just ludicrous so yeah i you know what as a fan of bryson i'm i'm pleased to hear it 
that boy Bryson. Get get some apples down, yeah. Have some water. I think it was. I mean, even as someone who knows nothing about it, even back then when he was doing all these ridiculous things, and you were watching him do these, whether you were watching him on the PGA Tour as he was at the time, or you were watching him do his little videos on his social. You're just watching him swing the club and you're thinking that cannot be good for your body. That must be doing something bad to you. Like I, like you're just putting your body through so much that and the speculation was that his I mean, he's 29 now. He was just turned 29. So th- there was a lot of speculation that his career could have potentially been over by 30. Yeah. But if we're just talking about the switch, he's still doing that. He's saying now he's cut out the diet. But if you see, he's probably swinging it as fast as he ever done. Right. Yeah, but I think he's probably those effects. He's he's swinging it in a what's the right more, way to say more, this? Yeah, I know what you're saying. A, a bit more sort of a, uh, moderated, a safer way. Yeah, a safer way to do it. I mean, he, Perhaps, he obviously but... he reached some incredible numbers with those. I mean, he was the longest driver on the tour for two years in a row, which is what he want what he set out to do. He won the U.S. Open, you know, by basically bomb and gouging it round. You can't say it didn't work, but I mean, he's had a Well, that's what I'm saying. But I really thought that that was like a turning point and maybe it was a bit naive. Well, not naive, I don't know what the word is, but... And then it just never really... I mean, like I say, he's still one of the best players in the world. Not what you say, but... It'd be interesting to see if it does take... He's now come out and said this, but it would be interesting to me if if now further down the line, because essentially he's at his peak now, isn't he? When he starts to then fall out of his peak, whether A, the diet, and B all this swing stuff actually takes more of a toll than we realised. We shall see. We shall see. Should we go and watch England? Oh, boys. Well, that was very loud. It's not going to go out until after England versus Iran. Oh, well, then I can say, yeah. Well, hopefully you're listening to this with an England win and we're cruising to the top of the group. Well, let's... Let's not alienate our Scottish and Welsh and Irish listeners because... And our Iranian listeners. And 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 our... We've got listeners in Europe and we've got listeners in America. So let's not alienate anyone. George and I are England fans. We are supporting no, 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 no. So we whether you... No, no, no. We can alienate the Americans. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. And I know they're listening. There's some of you out we've there. Got, but yes, we've got, exactly we've got we Wales can. and we've got Wales and USA to get past in the in the group stage. So sorry about that, guys. Sorry about the, the clash. But George and I are England fans, so we're supporting England. So you're gonna to have to just get over it. I do. I do have some Welsh in me. My grandfather was born in Wrexham, so what? I guess one. What is it? One sixteenth. I need to do the maths. God, I'm so bad at maths. Do you know who's not bad at maths? This guy, mate. Have you not this seen guy. me out of prize money? <laughs> I've definitely got some Welsh in me. So obviously, I like. I'd like to see those guys do well. But England are obviously my my number one. So yeah, enjoy the World Cup, everyone. Bit of breaking news. We're going to have a bit of a hiatus from the slam. I know we've got Tiger Woods back what? in a couple of weeks. Oh, so yeah. we're going to have a couple of weeks off the podcast, but we will be back at the end of the year to wrap up all the Tiger fun from the last, from the, well, what will be the next few weeks. End of season special. End of and we'll season have an, special. An, an, end of cal- an end of calendar year special. Well, and we it's look- going to be the, N- the NCG award show is coming. So is that what we're doing? Okay, that. Cool. that is we what we're do. doing. Yeah. All right, I'll task you with coming up with some topics for that then. And then obviously we'll look ahead to 2023 as well, predict our major winners, although I've already told you who. We, know you're we already winning. know who's winning the Masters, don't we? So. All right, Merry Christmas, everyone. Bye. Bye.